Where do you go? The address. 66 Harborview Road. Hello, hello, and welcome to 66 Harborview Road, a podcast dedicated to ABC's General Hospital. I'm your host, Caitlin, and in today's episode, we are talking about the week of January 9th through the 13th. So we see Spencer going to collect his things at Windermere with Sunny right behind him, and they walk in and Victor is there. Although I love, love this. I do think that Spencer may be in harm's way by living with Sonny because Sonny is in that tight bind with that pikeman security group. When Spencer goes upstairs, Victor asks Sonny to encourage Spencer to make amends with Nicholas, and then he brings up Sonny's own relationship with Michael, and Sonny gets very serious. Sonny doesn't think that he can compare himself to Nicholas. It's laughable to Sonny, but Victor says that you never have as much time as you want, and Sonny got really curious after that. Flash over to Nicholas at Kelly's. He talks with Alexis about Spencer, and he's asking her advice about Esme and the baby. And after a well-deserved freakout from Alexis, she says, you're only trying to atone for your mistakes with this new baby. Are you giving up on Spencer? Nicholas takes that and returns home to find Victor with a broken ornament. Victor begins to lecture Nicholas and says he knows he was holding Esme in the North Tower and she tricked you to have a place to stay and escape from. You fell for it. Now you might get picked off the family tree. And shortly after, Victor tells Nicholas that he had the room cleaned where Esme was staying, but has kept all the evidence, so there'd be plenty of blowback if Nicholas tries anything. And with Esme being in the hospital and Britt now deceased, poor Terry is handling everything at GH. She is so frazzled right now. I feel terrible that she has no help. Kind of wish Monica would make an appearance to help out Terry until there is a suitable replacement. And as Terry is being frazzled, Liz wants to be a good friend, but I don't think Liz has been a good friend to Terry. That's just my opinion. But if I was Terry, I'd be treading lightly with Elizabeth as my friend. She seems to value her friendship with Nicholas more than everybody else. Finn comes over to the nurse's station and expresses concern for Elizabeth, and she tells him in front of Dante and Jordan about Esme's pregnancy. Through all of this, Finn figures out where Esme was. He tells the cops to go to Windermere. She was found soaking wet on a boat. It's very likely that's where she was coming from. And he's not wrong, obviously, but also he's not wrong in the sense of, yeah, the cops should look there more thoroughly, and it is plausible that she was there. When the PCPD figure that Esme is well enough for questions, they try to jog her memory, doesn't work, Then Dante tells Jordan that he doesn't think Esme is the hook killer. With her being about seven, eight months pregnant, there is no way that she could have overpowered some of the victims, and there is just no way she could move so quickly being that pregnant, which again, not wrong. We also saw that Esme has counsel in the form of Martin Gray. Nicholas hired him, and he thinks he has a way to keep Esme from the murder charges. But she's still guilty of the sex tape, so I think regardless of memory, she should still be punished for that. So Dante and Jordan were able to get a warrant to research Windermere and go to Spoon Island, and Victor tells Nicholas to escort the PCPD through the castle so they don't get lost. 
I thought he meant steer them away from the North Tower where Esme was, but they ended up going there anyway. Dante opens the door, doesn't see anything, it's perfectly cleaned, but when he leaves, he tells Jordan, there is a room up there that was freshly cleaned, I could smell the cleaning products, and freshly painted, I could smell the paint. Back at the hospital, Esme is asking Elizabeth if Martin is any good as a lawyer. And I will have to applaud Liz for this. She's being very calm and she's not trying to say too much just in case Esme is remembering things. I would do the same thing if I was Liz. She got really messy there for a while and she has two boys under 18 to think about. And after placing his things at Sonny's, Spencer goes to GH and runs into Grandma Laura telling her that Esme needs to be held accountable and that he feels responsible for everything. Laura pleads with him he's not responsible for Esme's actions, but Spencer insists that he needs to see Esme. Laura says, okay, I understand, but don't bombard her. The baby is innocent no matter what the situation. Spencer does agree, and he thanks Laura for her good sayings towards him. Spencer is even starting to become convinced. He's trying to figure out if she's faking it, And he even says that the baby is possibly his. I'm assuming that that is all part of some half-baked plan of Spencer's. And outside the room, we see Laura talking to Elizabeth, and Liz blurts out that it would be lucky if Esme didn't remember anything. Laura questions why, and does this have anything to do with you and Nicholas? I think Laura still believes that Elizabeth and Nicholas had an affair. I'm kind of hoping that with the news of Esme's pregnancy and that it is Nicholas's baby, that everyone would now assume that the affair with him and Liz never happened and they were trying to cover up the Esme pregnancy. I don't know. But Laura does tell Liz that she's afraid Nicholas is going on a dark path and that her support is greatly appreciated. However, Laura doesn't realize that Elizabeth's support sometimes means that she's getting messy. And by Friday, Spencer asked Alexis to come over to Sunny's place and talk about Esme and Britt. So everyone knows how close Britt and Spencer were where they were kids, so I am appreciating that the cast of characters is bringing that up because that was a very prevalent thing back in, what was it, like 2013 or so. And as they're talking about Esme and Nicholas, Alexis tells Spencer that Nicholas wants full custody of that baby. And I loved the way they were talking to each other. You could see, like, the family gossip coming alive. Like, I I really felt like it was a good family moment. Then Alexis is trying to get her efforts for the invader towards finding out who could be the hook killer and what does Spencer know that could help. And at first he was like, what, you just want Scoop? But then he remembers, oh wait, Esme had a babysitter named Maggie who told her in a letter to stay away from her biological father. Alexis questions him about the rest of her family, but he only knows of Maggie and the letter regarding the biological dad. So then checking in on Trina, she is at home when she gets a text from Spencer. Portia and Curtis talk about her feelings about Esme and everything that's going on. And Trina believes Esme deserves a second chance. If she really is a blank slate, she deserves a second chance. 
that would definitely be the most mature thing to do in this situation. But I mean, the only thing I can relate this to is Jason going from Quartermain to Morgan. Portia doesn't think Esme should be free at all and that Trina shouldn't be around the Cassidines either. They argue, go back and forth, and Portia tells Curtis after Trina leaves that she's disappointed that she's friends with Spencer again. And Curtis reminds Portia that Trina is really big on boundaries right now. Jordan and Dante talk about Britt at the PCPD, and then they end up calling in Jocelyn Jax as a witness. Dante shows her footage from the docks, and Jocelyn relies on her Corinthos training. Avoid questions at all costs. So finally, Jordan asks, were you the one that Britt saved? Then Diane walks in the room, and Jocelyn smiles. <laughs> Gotta love Diane. So along with Diane, Jocelyn gets herself together and makes a statement to the PCPD. After that, Jordan, Robert, and Diane leave, and Dante stays behind to talk to Jocelyn. He is a little bit disappointed that she is viewing him as more of a cop than a brother or a friend, but Jocelyn did have many more things on her mind that night, and she's about to let him know. When Alexis left Sunny's house, she goes back to her office at the Invader and sees Gregory offering his services to the paper. Alexis asks him if he's ever thought about being a reporter, and he said no, not full-time, but I guess now he's thinking about it, or at least Alexis is encouraging him to think about it. They talked a lot about having a second act and how Alexis found one at the Invader. I mean, personally, I really miss her being a lawyer, but I am so happy to have Martin Gray on the show. During her talk with Gregory, she gets a phone call and it seems really important, but we don't get to know what that is yet. Um, a small side story, Elizabeth goes to Kelly's to see Cameron. She knows something's bothering him. She leans on, hey, I'm your mother, I can tell. So Cameron starts to speak really harshly about Esme. Not that she doesn't deserve it, just saying it was harsh. And then finally tells Elizabeth about the breakup with Jocelyn and how the scandal drove a wedge between them. I agree with that. I felt like that's how I was seeing it play on screen. However, Elizabeth says there's usually not just one reason for a breakup. I didn't really love that idea. <laughs> like, maybe she thought she was being realistic and helping him out, but I felt like she gave him more to think about. And her great healing words were, one day you won't be in pain and you'll be happy about the time you did have. Like, come on, Liz. Like, that is so generic. I mean, she was right about knowing a thing or two about heartbreak. I would have rather her shared a few stories of how she got over the first few weeks after a breakup. But whatever. Some new things happening. Chase was doing yoga on Wednesday. And Gladys and Sasha walk in. Gladys makes a comment about it being hot yoga. And they talk about how there is an offer on Brando's garage. Sasha then notices Gladys is not wearing her diamond earrings, but Gladys plays it off. Sasha begins to tell Chase how she can trust Gladys, and I felt so bad. Like, oh, you don't even know she's, like, starting to gamble your money away. They have a moment where they talk about Sasha missing Brando and Liam and how she feels adrift. 
And then Chase offers for her to call him in the middle of the night. Is this some flirtation going on? Like, I thought it was weeks ago, but now I'm thinking about it more. Across town, BLQ is working on music in the Quartermain Den, having a hard time with it, and Cody walks in. They start to talk in, and he tells her it is okay to lie to get Chase back. What? Terrible idea. Terrible. So Brooklyn ends up calling Chase, sounding urgent that he needs to get over there, 66 Harborview, right now. And when Chase gets there, she's all excited, and he walks in with Sasha. In what universe, Chase? Just in what universe are you, are you doing this? You're just bringing Sasha along to a music session, or at least what you think is a music session. This is not the love triangle I predicted for this year, but hey, let's see what happens. Cody was very kind to her, plays wingman for her, gets Sasha out of the room and into the kitchen so Brooklyn can put out her best flirtation vibes. She keeps making references about how they're a great team, but then she gets a phone call. So, getting into the bigger story of the week. So, Jocelyn goes to Dex's apartment, upset over Britt. I personally do not care for Dex, but I am liking their budding relationship. They end up on the couch again, and Dex tells her he doesn't want this to be a one or two night thing, and Jocelyn says she doesn't know how she feels, but it's strong, and Dex says, me too. She gets a text from Sonny to meet in his office, and she thinks that it's about Dex. Meanwhile, Jocelyn's brother Michael and Willow Tate are at General Hospital waiting for a bone marrow transplant, waiting for the information. Willow asks Michael if Sonny is still considered family, and Michael says, well, if you want him to be, but I don't want people to keep pressuring me to reconcile. Like, okay, Michael, we get it. You're still angry. Just, like, stop letting it bleed into every other part of your life. I did understand him when he said his dad never came back from Nixon Falls, but in my opinion, I think Sonny has been worse than this. I think he's done worse things than this. When they get to Terry's office, we hear that the chemo hasn't worked like they'd hoped. And now they're thinking about a forced premature baby delivery. So who do we think is going to die? Will it be Willow or the baby? Because now Willow's wondering if she should go through with the bone marrow transplant at all just to carry the baby to term and possibly lose her own life. And that's when Terry came back in the room and said that the donor had a medical issue preventing the transplant. So the two of them return home and have cookies with Wiley. Willow is having trouble hearing Wiley talk about his new sister and being a family together. Michael sees that she's upset and he takes Wiley upstairs. When they're up there, Willow just breaks down. Michael says he'll love her for the rest of his life and he helps her get into bed. Now back at Nina's apartment, she's going through Britt's office box and Ava comes home. Nina tells her that Liesl is asleep in her room and they talk about Britt. Nina tells Ava about the Huntington's disease, and Ava then tells Nina about the Esme Nicholas baby. Nina was wondering what Ava was going to do about this now that she knows Esme's pregnant, and Ava says she is still planning revenge. She's going to take Spoon Island and Windermere. 
I mean, this conversation was great and all, but their friendship just does not make sense to me and it's so hard for me to get over no matter how many times they mention it and they say, I can't believe we're here. I can't believe we're friends. I'm so happy we're friends. I just, it's just hard for me. So Ava leaves to go meet with what I'm assuming is a lawyer to work out this divorce stuff and Sonny pops over. He ends up seeing the paperwork mentioning Willow's chemotherapy. He reads it and then when Nina comes back in the room, he hands it to her. It was a huge shock for the both of them. Nina was feeling very guilty, and they both decide that they don't care about right or wrong. They just want to help Willow. So I assume this is how we are going to redeem Sona. Sonny says the family infighting has to stop, and they need to pull together for Willow, and Nina agrees. Do I love it? No, but I would like to see what Sonny and Michael getting along would look like with Nina in the picture. So after they find this out, Nina rushes over to Michael's. Michael heard a knock at the door and it is Nina. He is furious, of course. Somehow Nell gets brought up again and Nina is mad at Michael because she thought he had something to do with Willow delaying treatment because where does it leave Wiley if Willow dies? First of all, completely ridiculous. Why would anyone assume that Michael would tell her to delay treatment? <laughs> like, that doesn't, doesn't make any sense. Down the road a piece, the Moss was front and center when Drew goes to Carly's and asks straight out, why don't you want me to find Willow's parents? He laid everything out, picked out all the clues, and threw them at her. He ended up yelling at her that she didn't have the right to make any decision for anyone and finally blurts out her biological family can give her something no one else can. And just to remind anyone, um, this is very classic Carly. This was a very classic Carly scheme, and I loved seeing it. Drew then says out loud that Willow has leukemia, and Carly is shocked. She starts to put the pieces together, like Willow fainting all the time, being really pale, being really sick, and now she feels terrible. Drew asks her if this was revenge against Nina and if she didn't tell him because she knew it was wrong. And at this point, they don't know that the bone marrow transplant fell through. Like, they know nothing about that. Then Drew throws the relationship in their face and says, I thought we had something deeper, but I guess not. <laughs> and keeps mentioning how she keeps lying to him and, you know, she's trying to convince him she won't lie again. But then she gets a call from Nina that Willow collapsed. All of that gets washed away and Drew drives Carly to GH. Now, after leaving Nina's apartment, Sonny went back to his office and that's when he texted Jocelyn to meet him there. When she gets there, she begins to make a speech about she has her own life, he needs to stay out of it, and he goes, hold on, that's not why you're here. Um, you know, I just want to show my support for Michael and Willow with her leukemia, and then Jocelyn's like, huh? And Sonny thought that she knew about it. He thought that that whole side of the family knew, and they were just keeping him in the dark. So he ended up spilling the beans to Jocelyn. And I kept thinking, like, man, Sonny and Nina are just little gossipers. They just can't keep any news about other people to themselves. <laughs> like, it's not Sonny's place 
to call Jocelyn there? And like, was he going to ask her to like, I don't know, please say something to Michael so that I can support them? Like, that's not your place either. She left Sonny's office. Dex got her in the car, told Sonny he'll make sure she gets home safely. And in the car, she's telling Dex about Oscar. And it just reminded me how sad that really was. Like, 16 years old. Like, I remember those scenes when he actually passed Drew carrying him across the foyer where I podcast, of course. I mean, that was just, it was horrible. Jocelyn is wondering why Michael didn't tell her and how Michael is her best friend, not just her brother. And she's upset that she is out of the loop. She wants to be there to support them. She doesn't want Michael to go through this like she did with Oscar. And back at Michael's, while Nina is there, Willow comes running downstairs because she was dreaming at first bringing her baby home and everything was great. And then she looks up and Nina's there with Wiley. She looks down, she's in a wheelchair. And then Nina's trying to take both of her kids. So when Willow comes downstairs to see Michael and then sees Nina there, she freaks out, starts screaming, saying she's not dead, Nina can't take the children, but then she collapses on the stairs right in front of Wiley. So they have to rush Willow to the hospital. So Nina called Sunny, then she called Carly. I believe Carly then called Jocelyn. So Carly, Jocelyn, and Drew get to GH. They see TJ and ask about Willow. Michael is right outside Willow's room, begging her not to leave him and their family and to fight as hard as she can. Terry gives the update that Willow is critical and Michael has to walk away. Jocelyn catches up to him and Michael tells her everything about how and why they kept this a secret and why Willow didn't tell Michael. During their conversation, Jocelyn got a text and Michael asked if it was Cameron. (laughs) And I was like, oh no, no it's not. And it won't be for quite some time. (laughs) So while Jocelyn and Michael are having their moment, Carly goes into Willow's room to try and tell her that her birth mother is Nina. But Willow doesn't wake up. She then goes to Drew and she says, I know what I have to do. Will you please find Michael and tell him? Carly goes to find Nina. Nina and Sonny are in the chapel praying for Willow. And Carly drags out telling her as long as she can, trying to build it up so that Nina will understand the news. And Carly ends up telling her that Nell was not her only daughter and explained how Willow ended up with Harmony. I mean, this is awful. Now Carly is guilty of the same thing Nina is, and I hate it. (laughs) It's also just so wild, because I am just curious how they're all going to get through this. We also got to see a scene of Jocelyn and Willow in the hospital room, and those were very nice scenes. I mean, that Eden McCoy is just excellent. And Willow, I mean, hey, she was doing a great job lying there pretty still and, like, looking that part. Jocelyn then gets that phone call to go to the PCPD for questioning, so she asks Sunny to sit with Willow. So everyone's kind of calling a truce right now. And surprisingly, Sunny pours out his feelings to Willow and tops it off with, I wish I knew how to take care of you both. Michael walked in, and then nobody knew how to act. Sonny gracefully walked out. Michael did not really say much, which was great. And as Michael is by Willow's bedside, she wakes up. 
She asks what happened and then remembers Nina was there and starts freaking out again, saying she never wants to see Nina again. And by this time, Michael knows. He found out from Drew and he is so angry. He could barely, like, contain himself. (laughs) And after Carly told Nina, I mean, Nina called Carly a monster and just bolted out the room saying, I'm going to save my daughter. (laughs) Like, she's always wanted to do this. Now is her chance. So, of course, as Willow's freaking out in her hospital bed, Nina comes in and says, I might be able to save your life. (laughs) Poor Willow. Like, this is going to tear her apart. Like, hearing this news may cause her to code. I don't know. (laughs) And the last thing I'm going to mention on here is Cody and Sasha. They share a biscotti. And she ends up telling him her entire life story, which I thought was strange. But, hey therapeutic. He's digging it. She seems to be digging it. And their scene reminded me that Cody plays poker for Selena and he's been seeing Gladys at the games. What an interesting turn of events. They both ended up sharing feelings about the ones they've lost and it seems like they might hang out again. He might be the one to tell her about Gladys. He might notice Gladys is not using her own money and do something about it. Is that how they're going to get me to like Cody? Get him with Sasha? (laughs) Whatever. They can try. We'll see. I've been turned for characters before. I've hated them and then loved them. And like Ava. When Ava first came on the show, I could not stand her. Now she's one of my favorites. You know, it happens. And a couple of loose ends. So we know Marcus Coloma is out as Nicholas. So will we see the character go somewhere and come back? Is it just going to be a random Thursday that we see a new Nicholas? Does Marcus Coloma being out mean anything for the rest of the Cassidine slash Spencers? I mean, he does have Nicholas, the character, has a brother and a sister who each have their own kids. I think it would be nice to see him with his nephews, Rocco and Aiden. I feel like he's really forgotten about the rest of his family for the Cassidines. And poor Laura, always trying to clean up his mess. She's trying to take down Victor behind the scenes, and now she's going to find out her son has been helping him. And when are we going to find out about that time Valentine had the Ice Princess in his possession and then framed Jennifer Smith? And was that the same stone they cut up for Britt's necklace, or was that a different part of the stone? And that necklace, according to Britt's will, now belongs to Brad. Wow. Brad Cooper with the Ice Princess diamonds. Now that's something. As always, you can find me on Twitter at 66 underscore view, Instagram at 66 Harborview Road, and TikTok at 66 underscore Harborview Road. From the Quartermain Foyer, I bid you a great week.